We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now we transition to our mailbag show. We have several super chats we'll get to first, but I want to thank you all for that. But if you are if you want to ask questions, go ahead and get those thrown in now. Rob Osgood gets us started off with a super chat. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. It says, guys, in your estimation, how will Sam Hartman distribute the ball? And in what games can you see X, Y, or Z receiver in a mismatch against their DBs or safeties? Well, Rob, the thing about this group is, num- number one, I think with Sam Hartman, we're going to see him spread the ball around. That's just who he is. He was that way at Wake Forest. He's had – I mean, we all talk about the job he did with A.T. Perry. And, and last year, as I, as I pointed out, this past season, you had six players with at least 24 catches. You had five players with at least 550 yards. You had at least five, four players with six or more touchdown receptions, three or more players with nine. You had two players with nine touchdown receptions, another guy with 11 this past season. Then you look at 2021. He had two different thousand yard receivers. He had he had five guys with at least twenty seven catches. He had five guys with at least three hundred eighty eight yards. He had three guys over six hundred yards and two guys over thousand yards less in two thousand twenty one. And he had six different players had at least three touchdown receptions. Twenty twenty, similar story. Yeah, Ja'Cory Robinson, what Roberson was a 60-catch guy, 900 yards. Donovan Green had 29 catches. Taylor Marin had 32 catches. A.T. Perry had 15 catches. That season was a little bit different because you only played nine games that season. So uh, it was a very strange year, honestly, uh, for that for that entire team. Hartman only threw 13 touchdowns that year in nine games. Uh, Wake Forest had a really tough time getting any kind of continuity going. They played Clemson in the opener that year, played a week later at NC State, and then that was on September 19th. They didn't play again until they played Campbell on October 2nd. Then they went two more weeks after playing that game. Then they had, after playing Syracuse in October 31st, had another two weeks before they played. Then after that, that they played a game on November 14th. They didn't play again until December 12th against Louisville. So they went almost a full month before playing their next game. So that was a weird season. I don't really look at that one a ton, to be honest with you. So I think he's a guy that that has a history and a career of spreading the ball around. I think we're going to see him continue to do that. And 
what games can you see X, Y, and Z receiver in a mismatch against their DBs or safeties? I mean, all of them should be able to provide some level of mismatch. Which ones will provide the greatest mismatch in which games is just going to vary by opponent. There's going to be games where you're just going to want to do a lot to get Chris Tyree going and get him moving. There's going to be games where you're just like, man, if Dion can go off or Jaden can go off in the boundary this week, boy, we got a chance to really to really do some things. Boy, we can stretch the field to the to the wide side this week. This is a big Tobias Merriweather game. It's going to vary depend on who they're playing. But the reality is, is Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey both present mismatches on a consistent basis. I don't know that Jaden Thomas presents a lot of mismatch problems. I think he just wins. But I don't think there's like, well, wow, this he's just going to dominate this guy because of his size or speed or whatever. He just he just wins and makes plays. Chris Tyree, the speed is a guy that can do that as well for the uh, uh, when you look at the veteran. So I think there's several guys that can do it. It's just who's going to step up and prove it. That's the big question mark. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have a super chat from John F. Says, uh, thank you for the super chat, John. Haven't been around in a while. Got married on the second. Congratulations, and have been busy. In your guys' opinion, what are the top five quarterback receiver duos in Notre Dame history? And what are the top QB wide receiver duos in college football history? Oh, my goodness. Of course, this is done on the day I'm doing a solo show, and I can't do research at the time. Uh, uh, John, if, so if you've listened to the show before, you know the first thing I'm going to say is I, I'm not – I can't do history. Like, I'm not going to tell you – I never saw who Tom Gatewood play. I never saw Jack Snow play. I never saw those guys play. I, I, I will tell you who the best duos were of my lifetime. And the best duos of my lifetime, I mean, obviously – well, I guess you could call it a duo, but uh, you, you look at to me the the Notre the 2005 group to me was dynamic. Whether you want to go Stovall or or Samarja, whoever you want to put with Brady Quinn, but I'd say Sto- Samarja. So uh, Brady Quinn and Samarja is probably the best duo we've seen at Notre Dame. That was a very dynamic group. Obviously, you had. Big time production. Samarja, I think 70 catches in 05. 
over a thousand yards, f- 15 touchdowns that season. They were so, and they were just always just on. They just, each guy knew where the other was going to be. And they were a f- really, really fun group to watch. When they kind of going through the years, obviously Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate in 2009 was outstanding. The interesting thing about that group is if you actually go look early in the season, it was actually Michael Floyd who was more of the go-to guy for for uh, um, uh, Jimmy Clausen than actually Golden Tate was. And then obviously Michael Floyd got hurt against Michigan State and uh, he, he wasn't able to do as much. But, you know, I think that that duo was was really good. I think when you go back to now, here's the interesting one. This duo wasn't they didn't put up the numbers that others did. But I think the 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 Rocket Ismail Tony Rice duo was dangerous. They just didn't put up the numbers that some of the other groups just because of the nature of the offense. So th- those are those are three that I look at. You know, Michael Floyd and Tommy Reese was a, a, a very productive one. I think that had a lot to do with how good Michael Floyd was. That was that was a very productive one. I mean, Michael Floyd had over over a hundred catches that year. So that was a pretty good one. What to think about this? Um, well, Deshaun Kaiser and Will Fuller in 2015 was a pretty good duo. I think is that five, right? I have uh, Quinn and Samarja, Tate and Clawson. Uh, we just had uh, Kaiser and Will Fuller, right? That's three. I mean, there's been years where they've had really good receivers. I don't know if I'd say the quarterback duo was was necessarily great, but I, I you know, the, the 1995, the the Ron Paulus to Derek Mays connection was pretty good that year. I mean, Mays had a 48 catches, 881 yards, six touchdowns. He was he was pretty good that year. I don't I don't know that I would say that him and Paulus together were necessarily a dynamic group. Same in '94. You know, Mays had a, and, and Paul said, "You know what? I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk about my lifetime, I, I, I can't look. I I've come to have some ill feelings towards Ron Paulus now, but that was a fun group to watch. But that two years with him and him and Paulus was pretty good, or Paulus and Derek Mays was pretty good. I got to put that one in there. So that's four. The fifth one, you know, that's a little bit of a tougher one for me." I'd have to think about that one. I think the Everett Golson, Tyler Eifert duo was pretty good, even though Eifert wasn't technically a receiver. So that, that's that's my thoughts for the Notre Dame one. All time receiver, I'd have to think about that, John. That's a that's a see. This is why I wish you were on the message board, man, because then you could go in and ask on the message board, and I could have time to to think about that one. Because sometimes, like, I could start naming you big time receivers, but then I couldn't tell you, I couldn't remember who their quarterback was. Like Char- uh, Charles Rogers, y'all remember Charles Rogers from Michigan State? And that guy was so good in college. I mean, he had that one great year at Michigan State. I couldn't, for the life of you, tell life of me, tell you who his quarterback was either one of those years. Kid had. I'm looking at his number: 67 catches for 1,470 yards, 14 touchdowns as a freshman, 1,351 yards, 13 touchdowns as a sophomore. I'm I'm thinking about this, and I I'm haven't looked at the team yet. I don't remember who the quarterback was that year. Jeff Smoker. Okay, great. I don't remember that. So I couldn't necessarily say that they were a, a duo because I don't know if the quarterback really had a ton to do a do with that. So, I mean, you look at recently in, in so I'll go recent history. I mean, she had some very good ones. The Dwayne Jarrett, Matt Leinart duo was really good. The obviously 
Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Joe, Joe Burrow had two of them the same year. Whether you want to look at Jamar Chase, the numbers he put up with Jamar Chase, and and also uh, Justin Jefferson in the same season. I mean, really, that's what's so amazing about that team. Jamar Chase had 84 catches for 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns. That was the number one receiver, number one receiver. The number two receiver, Justin Jefferson, had 111 catches for 1,540 yards and 18 touchdowns that year. So you could say two of the best five ever were on one team with the same quarterback. So that was certainly in that conversation uh, as as well. So, I mean, there, there's been a lot of those over the years. I'd have to really go through and look uh, to to really dive into to that to just to give you specifics on on who that was. I'll tell you, here's one that I think recently was a a, a really good duo that I don't know if gets a, a, as much credit as it should. Is the um, the the Jalen Hurts, C.D. Lamb duo in 2019 was really good. The one in 2018 was pretty good with CD and Kyler Murray, but the one in 19 I thought was even better. Uh, you know, because obviously in 2018 Hollywood Brown was Kyler Murray's number one guy, but in 2019, I mean, CD Lamb was was really really good. 62 catches, 1327 yards, 14 touchdowns. Him and Jalen Hurts were a really impressive group. But I'd have, I'd have to go through and really think about some of those duos to be honest with you. Like who? Like here's another example. I man, I'll tell you what. We, we Ryan and I were talking about this on the show recently when we were talking about uh, uh, the numbers that um, uh, Mari Cooper put up in college back in 2014, 124 catches, 1,727 yards, 16 touchdowns. But do you really want to say that Blake Sims was the primary reason for that or was he just really good and in that system? So that's what I look at and say, I, I don't know that I, I'd have to really spend a lot of time thinking about like just duos. And before I can give you that, I'll tell you what one of my favorite, you're going to laugh at this. You want to know what one of my favorite receiver duo was when I was a, a little kid? Uh, this is actually kind of funny. So, uh, and I, I mean, I think it might be kind of the name, the names of the guys. Again, I was 10 years old, so give me a little bit of a break. The year that Notre Dame won the title. You know who I really liked reading about in the papers and, and watching on SportsCenter was the duo of Hartley Dykes and Mike Gundy the current head coach at Oklahoma State, he was a quarterback on that 88 Barry Sanders team. And they had a receiver named Hartley Dykes, who was really good. And uh, and Mike Gundy, he, he threw some bombs now. But uh, that was a fun group to watch. Somebody in the chat said uh, Pat White, the Tavon Austin. That was a good one. Um, yeah, so so uh, Michael Vick, I'm trying to remember who the receiver was. Is it Andre Smith? Is that who who the really good receiver was for Virginia Tech? I think. Let me look at that real quick. I I, I can vision him in my head, but I just can't remember what his name was. I, I thought it was Andre. Yeah, Andre Davis. That's what it was. It was Andre Davis. Andre Davis that year uh, in 1999 with Michael Vick as his quarterback. I believe that was the year that they played the national title. He had a thousand and seventy yards on forty two catches. He averaged twenty twenty five and a half yards per catch. So that was a really that was a really good uh, really good duo as well. Got a super chat from Raymond Harden. Thank you for the super chat, Raymond. Hey guys, great news on Janarian Price. Thanks for all the hard work, IB. You are welcome. Raymond is referring to we had some intel on uh, a comment that Coach Freeman gave to me that I put on the message board about Janarian Price and his health, which was very. It's another reason to be on the message board and when they expect him back and and how 
his preparation level for fall camp. So you should check it out. Got a super chat from Andrew Gilmore. Thank you, Andrew. If you're an opposing DC, aren't you playing press coverage and nine-man box until Notre Dame proves that they can beat you over the top, a la Marshall and Stanford? No, I don't think you're going to do that necessarily. Number one, if that's not who you are, by doing that, you're taking yourself out of what you do defensively. So it, it, to, to, to go say, I'm going to go cover one, because you're basically saying cover one. We're going to go cover one, second safety down. I mean, no, actually, even that is 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 eight in the box, really. I mean, so, I mean, to get nine in the box, you're bringing both safeties down. You're going pure cover zero. I don't know that there's teams that are going to be doing that. couple reasons why. Number one, there's just nobody on the schedule that does that. Number one, and and I'm because you're not good here. I'm not going to to get out of what I do, what got me here, to do something that you think is going to you know give you problems. Number one, number two, I don't know if I want to do that with a couple six four six five guys on the outside and a quarterback that has a history of beating that defense with that. I think I think the thing here, Andrew, is look. Let me ask you this question. Okay, and you can answer it in the chat. Does that work last year with Marshall and Stanford if Sam Hartman's a quarterback? The answer is no, it doesn't. Because you have a quarterback that can make those throws. As I said last season, and Vinsel has said this before, Ryan said it before, anyone that's been in the game and watches what happens down the field will tell you, Teams tried that at times to a degree, and they got smoked on it by the receivers. The ball just never came. The great catch that Braden Lindsey made against Navy, the one where he caught the ball behind his back, at one point in time, he was like five yards past the the DB. The reason it became that type of play is because Drew Pine ends up scrambling and throwing it late instead of just hitting the top of his drop and letting it go deep and letting Braden score an easy touchdown. So – no, you weren't doing that to the receivers last year because with Sam Hartman a quarterback, because you'd have got burned. And remember, NC State was a, or South Carolina was a team that played a lot of man coverage last year, and Notre Dame burned them a couple times. So no, I don't think that's something that you're going to do. Number one, it didn't work late in the year when teams tried it. Number two, you've got a quarterback too good for that who can burn that. Number three, you've got really tall receivers that can hurt you and. You've got a 5'9 receiver that runs a 4'3 that if he catches you once and covers zero or he has a step on the guy that he's catching a slant route against, it's a touchdown. So, no, I, 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 would not, I would not want to do that. And the other thing, too, is if you're playing nine in the box, if Audric Estime gets through the second level and you just have one bad run fit, it's a touchdown. So, no, that, that, that'd be far too risky. Are there certain circumstances where you would do that in certain plays or certain moments of the game? Yeah, maybe. But it's not something you're going to do consistently. That's not really a thing uh, that, that, that college teams do against other good college teams. Now, you may say, hey, we're going to be aggressive and we're going we're gonna to make sure that we have our, our, our defenses geared towards stopping the run. You know, put eight in the box, things like that, and make you beat us on the football. But you don't do that by going nine in the box press coverage, nobody passed seven yards past the line of scrimmage. That's not really something you're going to do, especially when you have Sam Hartman, a quarterback. Jordan Schreiber asks, do you think Tobias goes for a thousand yards? I think Hartman reveals the wide receiver star with the work ethic, drive mindset, and especially the talent. It's possible. Like, look, the only reason I say no is because number one, 
the ball's just going to get spread around too much. I, I really think the ball's just going to get spread around too much. And and, and then number two, I, I don't know that Notre Dame's going to throw for enough yards to to be a team that's going to have a thousand yard receiver with the ball bring, being spread around as much as it did. I mean, again, last year, as good as A.T. Perry was, he had 1,096 yards. That's it. As good as he was. Now he had 1,273 the year before, 12, 1,293 the year before. They also played 14 games. But even last year, I mean, you know, the ball gets spread around too much, number one. And number two, they're just not going to throw the ball that much. I mean, you had 2,000 receivers in 2021 with Sam Hartman, but you threw the ball 519 times that season. Like, here's a stat for you. That year, Wake Forest completed 302 passes. 299 of them were by Sam Hartman. Last year, talking about the Notre Dame football team, they only attempted 338 passes. Wake Forest completed 302 the year before. Now, they're not going to throw as little as they did last year. They're not going to throw as much as they did two years ago. There's going to be somewhere in between. And so if the ball gets spread around like I think it will, then I don't know that Tobias gets to 1,000. If he becomes the guy and, and, and Sam tends to focus on two to three receivers more than others, then sure, he's capable of it. I don't think if he doesn't get to 1,000, it's going to necessarily be because he doesn't have ability. It's just going to be about the opportunity because there are other good receivers. There are You are going to run the football a whole lot more than you did at Wake Forest. All those things are going to factor into why. I just don't see – I just don't see it getting to that point. I don't see them being that kind of team. I, I really don't. I just I think they're going to be more balanced in that regard. Rob Osgood says, I know it's hard to say, uh, but how do you think Jared Parker is going to use the wide receivers? I am hoping for screens, reverses, motions, running back passes, use the whole field length and width. I don't really care about running back passes. The other part, sweeps. I mean, if we're talking about Chris Tyree, sure. I'm a big fan of screens. I think that's a big part of the RPO game. That's a big part of blitz beating. I don't know if a team's playing a lot of 8-9 in the box, if you're going to be doing a lot of inside screens, more outside stuff, bubbles, leverage screens, now screens, things like that, where you're you're looking to gain a leverage on the outside. Reverses, I mean, that's fine. I mean, if they don't ever run a reverse, I'm fine with that. I don't care. If they run some reverses to keep teams honest, I'm good with that too, especially with Chris Tyree. Sweeps, I mean, to Chris Tyree, sure. Use the whole field length and width. That's the big one. And that's what I think is going to be a point of emphasis. And that's something that Coach Freeman discussed with me today is about being able to get the ball out to the perimeter and get the ball down the field. That's going to have to be part of what the Notre Dame offense looks like this year. BKPTSD victim. First live show in a while. If everyone reaches their potential this year, who do you think is the best wide receiver combination? Honestly, if if everyone reaches their potential this year, you, you may not like this room, but if everybody reaches their potential this year, you're not going to see a, a, a combination that stays together. What you're going to see is you're going to see a, a rotation of at least five guys. So you'll see Dion, you'll see Tobias, you'll see Jaden, you'll see Chris Tyree, and at least one of the freshmen, whether it be Rico or Jaden Greathouse, if not multiple of them. So I think if everybody reaches their potential, you you don't have one guy that or two guys that break out and, and are that guy. You always prefer to have more. The reason it's happened in the past is because that's all you had. If you if Samarj and Stovall didn't break out in 05, who was going to? You didn't have anybody else. So that's the big difference. Jordan Schreiber also asked, can Chris Tyree do what Braden Lindsay did last year but actually get the ball thrown to him? I mean, in regard to being a potential big play guy, it's possible. They're different 
players. I mean, Brayden Lindsay was an outside guy. Chris Tyree is going to be a slot guy. Brayden Lindsay's a couple inches taller. He's a more natural receiver as a route runner. Chris is built a little thicker on the lower half. So, I mean, there's some things that you – you know what, honestly, Jordan? If you want to look at how Chris Tyree is used compared to Brain Lindsay as a as a comparison, I think I think the best thing you can do is kind of go back to when Chris Tyree was a or excuse me, when um Brain Lindsay was in his second year. And and Notre Dame did a lot of things with him that year to get him the football in in different ways. I mean, jet sweeps, he had jet sweeps that year, he had reverses, screens. I think that would be the year that you could really compare Chris Tyree to to what Brayden Lindsay did more so than what we saw last year. DMND 13 says, how do you see the matchup between their names receivers and Ohio state's incredibly impressive ranked best in the country full of first round draft picks secondary. I'm loving the sarcasm. That's just oozing out of that question. Uh, Dan, I really appreciate that. Uh, that's a man after my own heart. Look, Ohio state has a quality secondary. They have town at safety, town at corner. I actually think Ohio State has a good secondary. My beef is more so the way that they're hyping it up, to your point. I have seen three of their four. So he's he's being a bit hyperbolic, but not by much. I've seen mock drafts that have Denzel Burke, Josh Proctor, and Latham Ransom as first-round picks. And it's just this hype. I, I think there's like something like 14 different Ohio State players have projected to be first-round picks. It's just, come on, we're being stupid now. And I, I don't care if they're the best team in college football and win a championship, go undefeated. They're not going to have 14 first-round draft picks next year. Like, let's be serious. But that's the hype that this roster is getting for some strange reason, and I don't quite understand why. Uh, it's getting that absurd like hype this season. It's going to be very good. Look, they've got good speed. They move well. I think the big thing that Notre Dame has that they can use to their advantage is to be able to stretch the field with size. I think what you need to be able to do with Ohio State is when they get in trouble is when you can protect the quarterback and and do some sort of post-snap switches, some sort of uh, pre-snap movement that gets them adjusting and, and talking and those type of things that can then create mistakes. I mean, if you look at the Georgia game and you look at the Michigan game, the big plays that Ohio State gave up were on broken plays. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan or analyst, you're going to look at it and say, that's partly because they're year one of the of the Jim Knowles defense. They're going to have a better answers for those this year, and you'd be correct. So I think you're going to have to earn it a little bit more against Ohio State secondary this year. But I think Notre Dame's receivers have the size, uh, have the length, and have the speed to be able to make plays. We saw them getting open last year at times against Ohio State. It's just about, look, Sam Hartman's going to throw it up. Can you go out and make plays? That's going to be the question. Are they going to be able to do that or not? I, I don't know the answer. And how effective they can do that is going to go a very, very long way towards determining just how good Notre Dame is going to be able to, to, to play against them from a secondary standpoint. But they, they match up fine. They match up fine. It, it'll be a good matchup. Two good units is what I expect it to be. Brian Fitt, Ivy Nation, what's up? Who do you think will be the top freshman receiver this year? And then ask, what do you think the numbers will be with the freshman receivers receiving yards and TDs this year? And who do you think will be the breakout uh, this year for them at that position? That's a great question, and and I and I don't know that I can give the answer right now. I think it'd be easy to take the Jaden Greathouse angle because we saw Jaden during the spring, and we saw him catch eleven balls in the spring game. It could easily be him. It could easily be Rico Flores. I think it'll be one of those two. I think those are the two guys in the best position to go out this season and really have breakout seasons, and um, um, that's going to be a key. I, first of all, I want to apologize real quick too. I know that our 
the the video quality right now is is bad. It's been low this entire time. I it's a Streamyard issue today. It's it's I apologize. Um, probably best so my face is blurry, but I just want to apologize for that. But I just wanted to check: is the sound at least still good? Is there is like is there any issues with the sound? I don't really care about the video quality, but is the sound at least still good? Can you guys hear? Can you hear the sound? Vince trying to jump up in there. So sounds good. Okay, that's what I care about. So Tom, to your question, I think it's going to be Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores. If I had to bet, if I had to guess right now, I would I would guess Jaden. I'm not sleeping on Rico at all though, and I think Jaden because I think the opportunity is going to be there more for Jaden Greathouse because when I look at how they're going to use. I think we're going to see Dion and Tobias playing outside. I think we're going to see Jaden Greathouse kind of playing both outside spots. I think we'll see Rico outside, but I think what we're going to see a lot of this year is I won't be shocked if we see a lot of Chris Tyree and Jaden Greathouse playing the slot, which so I think the opportunity will be there a little bit more for Jaden to, to be a little bit more productive. If at the end of the year, I, my hope is that, that the freshmen combined for about about 30 catches, 450 to 500 yards at the most. I mean, if that, if they do that with the returners coming back, I'm thrilled. Anything beyond that's just, okay, now you're just being ridiculous. And so, uh, and somebody had a big time breakout season. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm looking for it. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Kurt Michael, first step to becoming a successful podcaster, or how does one get a foot in the door? Do you have a degree in sports science or media or journalism? Receiver group just needs confidence. That's a difference of variety there, Kurt. Uh, no, I don't have a degree in sports science or media or journalism. I have a I played football, high school, college, coach football in college, know the game, and we decided that we're this is what we're going to do, and we did it. So if you want to do it, do it, right? Don't look for someone else to give. Look, nobody gave us a foot in the door when it came to this platform. We just decided we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to create our own opportunity. So do that. Everybody, you know, sometimes it's what you need somebody to give you that opportunity, right? To get into covering Notre Dame, somebody gave me an opportunity, and I took them. I took advantage of it and and built what I've built. But when it came to podcasting, it was just. Everybody says, I don't, don't do it. You can't make money off of it. You can't do this. You know, can't make money off YouTube. You can't make money off podcasting. There's no money in podcasting. And we just said, oh, okay, well, thanks for the advice. We're going to do what we want to do anyway. And so we just did it. And we try our best to put on a quality product and be honest and give you good feedback and, and try to take some pride in the quality of the product that we're, we're putting out and wait. And when we can control it right now today with you know, the, the issues that we're having, I, not a lot I can do about that. Dreamyard just tends to have those problems sometimes. So, uh, but we're, that's really it. If you want to do it, go do it. Right. And if nobody listens and nobody watches, that's fine. If you something you love to do, then do it. And maybe you'll get an audience, but I would say that would be my thing, Kurt, is just to do it. If you know the game, 
You know how to communicate to people. And I would honestly tell you some of the stuff that I hear people in journal, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. Some people that are journalists or have those degrees have given me advice over the years. I'm like, I'm so glad I did not take that advice. So glad I did not take that advice because I wouldn't be where I am. You want to do something, go do it. This is what's great about this country. If you want to do something, you have a passion for it and knowledge and you're willing to work at it, just go do it. So that would be my thing. It's just go do it. And yes, they need confidence, but it's not just confidence. Confidence comes from work. Confidence comes from knowledge of, of what you're doing. Confidence comes from, you know, just uh, knowing you have talent. There's confidence is just something you just give them. They have to earn it. And it comes through uh, and through in a lot of different ways. Lance Hab, what types of growth should we look for uh, this year out of the returning guys like JT and Tobias? I mean, we talked about that a little bit during the, be- the beginning of the show. It's it's just about consistency for Tobias. I mean, JT, it's just build on what you did late last year. I mean, that's really it for J- 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 Jaden Thomas. It's just, look, you go look at what he did against Navy. He didn't catch a lot of balls against USC, but he was open a lot. He could have caught more balls if, if the opportunity was there. You look at it against South Carolina, five catches, 66 yards. He, he was money in that game. He was a good football player down the stretch. It's just keep doing that. I mean, that that's really the thing for 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 him. It's just you're talking about a guy that if if he can just produce what he did in the last four games. So you're talking about five, 10, 12 catches in four games, you know, that gets him to about 40 catches. If he just repeats the yards that he did the last four games it gets him to 600 yards. So, you know, 39, 40 catches, 614, 615 yards. If you just take kind of his best moments and say, Hey, can you just be that guy consistently? He'll be a 40 to 50 catch guy, six to 700 yards. And you're looking at him, boy, that's just a steady dude, man. That's, that's what you need to see. It's just steadiness. And what Tobias, the consistency comes from, you're not a steady guy. You're a big play guy, but can you be locked in with your technique and your, in your assignments and and play with urgency. I think that's the big thing for me with Tobias when I watch him run routes from last season. The big thing for me is if I was his receivers coach or his, you know, whether it's Chancey Stuckey or someone working with him this offseason, the big thing that I would say to him is like, look, you need to come off the line with greater urgency. We talked about this when we were breaking down, who was it, uh, Nate Roberts the other day? And he comes off the line like, man, I'm running a go run. I am going. He's running a comeback. You know, come off the line with greater urgency. Get on top. I mean, you want to eat up that cushion as quickly as possible. And sometimes I feel like Tobias gets in these situations where he's just telegraphing a little bit too much, thinking a little bit too much about the technique and and about the, you know, hey, I got to lean him this way and I got to do that and I got to I got to do all these different things. And it's just like, man, just go. You know what to do. Come off the line fast, attack his leverage, aiming points the outside shoulder, get on his toes, snap your route off, you know, and get where you need to get to. Make sure that you're lined up at the proper distance and and just get after it. And those are the things that I want to see. I want to see a lot more of from him. If he can play with a greater sense of urgency off the line, he's going to be a lot more, a lot more productive this season. And And I'm hoping that we get a chance to see it. Chris Ayer says, is Parker's offense designed to attack the perimeter more or is it just to utilize the intermediate, middle, and tight end backs? I'll just say this. I don't think the offense is going to look a whole lot structurally like it did last year. And that's about all I can say right now. I don't want to give too much away, but it's not going to look like last year's offense. It's it's going to be more aggressive. 
and we'll just we'll just leave it at that. All right. Um, what is the key to having a solid go-to receiver without being predictable and letting the D know where you're going to the, going with the ball? I I don't care if they know where I'm going with the ball. They got to know where he's going to do. I mean, there's this people people say that. Well, they they know the ball is going to go to this guy. Okay, so fine. Do they know where he's going to line up? Do they know what motion he's going to do. Do they know what route he's going to run. Do they know if we're running a rub? Are we going to run a mesh? Are we going to are we going to run a vertical? Are we going to use him as a decoy? And they can know all they want where they're going to go to the ball, but what is what what are they going to run? This is why I always say, like, if somebody's why they are you worried that they're going to give you your playbook? If a team breaks down your entire season of film, they have your playbook, guys. Like they know every formation you use. They can they can they can catalog every single play you ran out of every formation. They know all your hash tendencies and your field tendencies and your eleven personnel tendencies and your twelve personnel tendencies, and they can literally design your playbook. But what they may not be able to tell is what exactly am I going to do in this particular down and distance against this particular look? And can we execute it? And can we do enough to kind of keep you off balance? So you can have my playbook as long as you don't know, as long as you're not in my headphones, you don't know what I'm going to run right now. And I think that's where a good coordinator knows I like this stuff on third down, but I also know that they like that. They know that I like this on third down. And can I do enough to keep them off balance? I think those are the things that you need to answer in this situation. Katie Kievers asked, do you think we will know after the season of Marcus Freeman has what it takes to lead Notre Dame to a title? <clears throat> well, I hope, Katie, that, that we know because he does. He leads him to one. That would be obviously ideal. But will we know for certainty? No, unless he leads him to a title. Will we know for certain that he doesn't have what it takes? No, not really. I mean, if, if they have a, an eight and four season again, then sure, it'll be concerning, you know, and you'll start to ask questions. But do we know for a fact that he won't be able to do that? No. I mean, if you look at the talent that Brian Kelly wasted in his second year at Notre Dame, I mean, guys, do we remember what Notre Dame had on that team in 2011? Do you guys remember the players Notre Dame had on that team in 2011? I mean, you had Michael Floyd, you had Harrison Smith, you had Jonas Gray, Sear Wood, Theo Riddick, TJ Jones, Tyler Eifert. Um, I'm trying to think of your offensive line. You had um, uh, you had Z- Zach Martin, Chris Watt, Braxton Cave. You look at the defense. I already mentioned Harrison Smith. You had Manti Teo, Robert Planton, Gary Gray, Darius Fleming, Jamor Slaughter, Lewis Nick, Zeke Mata, Aaron Lynch, Capron Lewis Moore, Stephon Tuitt, Prince Shembo, Bennett Jackson, Ethan Johnson, Danny Spahn. That team went freaking eight and five and lost to South Florida. You lose Harrison Smith. You lose uh, Robert Blanton. You lose Gary Gray. You lose Darius Fleming. You lose Michael Floyd. You lose Jonas Gray. And you go out the next year and you go 12 and 0. So, yeah, will we know for sure? No. Unless he leads them to a title, no, we won't know for sure. I think we'll get a much better sense of a greater confidence or greater skepticism, Katie. So, I, I think the needle will be moved in one way or the other. I think that's a fair thing to say. But for me to say that we'll know definitively that he can or can't, I think the only way we can know that is, is one of two ways. They win a title or they go like three and nine, four and eight, and it's just a dumpster fire. And you know that you just you know that's not gonna happen. Cause if it was gonna happen, it would have happened last year, not this year. So, but I think we'll at least have some clarity of okay, it's trending in a direction. 
one of those directions. Archer452, resident Ohio State fan, says, with all the recruiting news available, both team-specific coverage and national outlets, how would you recommend a regular fan discern what is trustworthy and what should have a grain of salt? Number one is track record. So you're an Ohio State fan. Is there an analyst, for example, that when he puts something out, it tends to be very high percentage to be accurate? And what I mean by that is not someone who, I'll, I'll hear this, so-and-so has a 95 per, 95% success rate on his crystal balls. Okay, well, how many times does he change them? If you tell me he never changes them, I say, okay, well, that's impressive. When does he put them in? We always put them in a couple days before a kid commits. Then he already knew. That's not impressive to me. If you were to say, boy, this guy's right 85% of the time, and he always puts crystal balls at least – 10, you know, a month to two months before a kid makes a decision. Say, that's a guy that read that recruitment really well. So it's more about when a guy says something, sticks to it, what is his success rate of of being correct? Everyone's going to be wrong about things. Everyone's going to be wrong about things. And the people who say they aren't are people who kept changing their mind until we all knew what was going to happen. That's like me saying, you know, I just, I knew that Notre Dame was going to beat Michigan State when they were down 38 to 14 knew it. No, you didn't. You had no clue. Now you, cause you didn't tell me that when it was 38, 14, you didn't tell me that till Terrell Lambert was at the five yard line about to score. And you look at, Hey, I think they're going to beat Michigan state. You get what I'm saying? So I may have called it, Hey, they're going to beat Michigan state, but I waited until it was obvious. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that throughout the recruitment are giving you fair and objective analysis. If a, if a guy says to you something that's like, you know, after every visit, Oh, they crushed it, and they're going to get every kid that they had on campus. He, he's probably either A, covering Alabama, or B, not being honest with you. If every season you have a guy say, you know, like this guy, this guy, all these all these guys will step up and be good, there's no doubt about it, and then they all don't, then he's not someone to be – he's not someone who's trustworthy. You know, one thing we try to do here, for example, is we try to tell you, hey, here's what I think could happen. But if this guy doesn't do this, this and this, then, you know, he's got a, he's got something to prove. You know, when it comes to like recruiting, for example, you know, we're going to tell you where things are. And we're going to try to tell you the difference between what we're hearing from sources and what we believe to be true. So you you can evaluate us on our track record. You know, what 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 commitments do we get right? Which ones do we get wrong? And say, you know what, by and large, they tend to when they say something, they tend to a. um be well sourced B they don't change their opinion a ton and C they tend to be right. And I think you want to find someone that when it comes to recruiting, for example, that you find someone that's willing to be a little reserved, like, Hey, you know, I'm hearing good things, but, but, but such and such. And I think those type of people are, are good to have as well, but just finding people who have a rec- a track record of consistency, people that are willing to to not always say that everything is awesome for a team too is important. And um, I think all those things factor into to what makes someone trustworthy. But look, it's like with anything else. Who do you trust to shoot free throws? The guy with the highest completion or you know free throw percentage, right? I mean, who are you going to trust to shoot a free throw? Larry Bird or Shaquille O'Neal? Both were champs. Both won multiple rings. Both won MVPs. You say, well, I'm going to take Larry Bird. Why? Track record. He's a 90 plus percent free throw shooter. Shaq's 50 percent, right? It's now doing other things, take Shaq. Who who who's who's gonna who do I need to go down there if I need to have a guy just dominate in the paint all game long? Take Shaq. 
who am I going to take if I need somebody to do something different? I'm take Bird, right? But when it comes to that one thing, you look and say, this guy's track record speaks for itself. I think just finding people that way. And, and, and then the a final thing, a big thing for me is being able to admit them when you're wrong and explain to people why without throwing other people under the bus. Sometimes that's needed. I was lied to by someone I trust that that's all me, but that's what happened. Or, you know what? I got this one wrong. I thought this, I trusted this person. That's on me. I got to own that. I, I made that mistake. And sometimes you say, look, this is what was being said. This kid lied to everybody, lied to our source. This is kind of what happened. So I just think, um, in, you know, consistency, being correct and being willing to admit when you're wrong are things that I look for, uh, in someone who, who covers teams. Andre Tonsil said, love the content about receivers. Thank you, Andre. What is your confidence level on the offensive line play? Scale of one to 10 minus eight. Andre, you're jumping the gun a little bit, my man. We're going to have a, we're going to have an offensive line show here pretty soon. And we'll have that. I think, uh, probably in two weeks, we'll do a defensive group next week. And then we'll have a, I think off, I think offensive line is going to be next after that. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, yeah, so I'm not going to give that away just yet, Andre, but I do love your confidence and I'll say, if you are correct, and and they are that good. This team is going to have a shot to be pretty good at running the football. This I still will say, no matter how good the offensive line is, no matter how good the running back room is, no matter how good Sam Hartman is, if the receivers don't play to their potential, this team's going to have a hard time being a, a championship caliber team. I still think it comes down to this unit that we talked about today, really stepping up and and just being being that team. Ray Holcraft says, which teams in the schedule pose the greatest threat in limiting what Hartman can do in terms of best pass rush opponents and best secondaries? That's a good question, Ray. Well, I think NC State has a history of giving Sam Hartman problems, so I think you have to go with them. They've had two games against Sam where they've they've made life a little difficult for him. I think Ohio State, with the talent they have on the defensive line, with the talent they have in the secondary, they have some good blitz schemes that gave Notre Dame a lot of problems last year. And the fact that they did pressure the quarterback last year against Notre Dame. So that's a team where the Notre Dame offensive line has to prove itself because last year, Ohio state whipped their butts up front. And so that's, that's one. Looking through the schedule, you know, I don't Clemson will be better in the secondary this year front seven. We'll see, but Still good enough that if you don't bring your A game, you're going to have a harder time against them. They'll, they'll be better in that regard. You look at some other teams, you know, USC, not really. As long as you play your game, you should have success. They have some good – Kalen Bullock's a good safety. They got some new transfers on the front seven. Eric Gentry's in a, a disruptive player. You know, should they be a team that can really limit Sam Hartman? Not if Notre Dame plays their game, in my opinion. If Notre Dame plays their game, they should be able to move the ball on USC – if they play their game, they should move the ball on Navy and Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Duke, Louisville, USC, Pitt, Wake, Stanford. I say the three that just pure talent, the four that I'll say this, the four teams that for me, based on talent, scheme, and matchup that I'm most concerned about from their defensive standpoint chronologically is NC State, Ohio State, Pitt and Clemson, those would be the four that I'm probably most concerned about when I when I look at at, at the matchups for Notre Dame. Now, look, a lot of USC can give you problems if you're not playing your game. If you're not, if your blitz protect, if your if your protection schemes aren't well designed and well executed, 
if your offensive linemen aren't playing with good technique, they've got guys can hurt you and beat you. Uh, they have if you're if you're forcing balls into coverage, USC has guys can hurt you. Duke is a very well coached defense with Coach Elko, uh, and then Tyler Santucci is their young defensive coordinator, who's a Mike Elko protege. Was with him at Wake, was with him at Notre Dame, was with him at Texas A and M. So that's a guy that knows what he wants. So there's teams that can hurt you if you don't play your game. What I'm referring to, Ray, to answer your question is teams that even if you play your game, have the scheme or talent to match up and present Notre Dame with problems. I think those are the four that I that I have the biggest would have the biggest concern about for Notre Dame. It's a good question. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.